Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. You can do all those things, but you don't have time. You know, you got to make decisions quick, and you don't have time to uh, ask uh, analytics guys what, what to do. I'm all, In that situation, I'm always going for the win. I don't care. And uh, we've done that many times, and we'll continue to do it. We had a half a yard to go. We've we've been running the ball really, really well. I felt like their defense was tired. You know, we hit two other fourth downs earlier in the ball game. So I'll do it again next time it comes up. If you got a chance to win the game, you got to go for it. Yeah, Tuesdays are our football nerd segment of the week, and we're going to dive into the math on the fourth and inches. There's some good stuff from the ringer. Also, Dalvin Cook news we're going to get to here. Uh, but, Declan, yeah. I think every day is a day when your team is 1-4 and four for a little Corona hard seltzer. You know, here. Zim said he he asked the analy- he, you know, he doesn't have time to ask the analytics guy. I took one look at that cherry Corona hard seltzer on Sunday after that field fourth and one, and I said, did you make the right call? And he said, yes. You did make the right call, and I tipped it on back and cracked open another one. <laughs> and that's what you do with Corona Hard Seltzer, because it's the only hard seltzer made with Pure Beach vibes, with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors, such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer Spike Sparkling Water with Natural Flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. We kind of ingrained in these guys, go get the first down. And what happened was they kind of covered up the guards and tackles. And uh, I think the linebacker came and CJ met him in the hole. The defensive end kind of backed into him. You know, and obviously if he had bounced outside, I'm sure he would have got it. You know, there was was a lot of space out there. Kyle did a nice job blocking his guy. That's kind of the way it goes. All right, uh, Mike Zimmer dissecting that missed fourth and inches that could have iced the game for the Vikings on Sunday. So many things to get into today. We've got the nerd football segment of the week, which does a deep dive into a couple things. Vikings under Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins in late game situations. The math on the fourth and short. Uh, real quick, uh, we're also going to get to the Dalvin Cook news and the fallout. So according to Chad Graff from The Athletic, Dalvin Cook isn't expected to play this Sunday against the Falcons after suffering an adductor strain, which is, that's a groin strain, right? Correct. That's my anatomy. Yep. It's a groin. It's okay. a groin. According to a source, Vikings have a bye week the week after, then we'll reevaluate if Cook is ready to transfer. So that's pretty much what we said. Like, there's no way he plays with a bye week on the horizon. So um, if you if you haven't picked up Alexander Madison in your fantasy leagues, you probably want to do that. 
But a quick shout out real quick to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is helping business owners in the state of Minnesota going back to 1904. Based in Owatonna, they are one of us. They have trusted resources to help you out. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You get that century plus of experience. Federatedinsurance.com to find out more. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Gentlemen, let's be nerdy Get here. those All words! Right. Nerd! Nerd! Declan found a great article from The Ringer here, and it dives into the math of whether the Vikings should or shouldn't have gone for it on fourth and inches. Mm-hmm. By the way, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, if I didn't already say that. I'm just going to read this. A couple paragraphs, so stop me along the way if, if you want to. All right. Mm-hmm. So teams pick up fourth and inches at a remarkably high rate, according to this. Vikings fans, if you don't believe this was the right call, ask your own team's performances over the years. Since 1994, the Vikings have gone for it on fourth and one or less 137 times, and they've made 99 first downs, 72% success rate. And so, obviously, because if they get that first down, the game is over in that spot. There is a three-in-four chance of guaranteeing a win in that spot. Right. As a as a former gambler myself, like, this even solidifies more that that was the right decision. Correct. And if you take the other one-in-four, so you don't get it, they still have to go 94 yards with two minutes left, and I believe no timeouts, right? I don't think they think had a timeout. They had one timeout one. left. One timeout? One. Yeah. Okay. So now that you've seen the math there, your thoughts? I love the call. From every aspect, the call is right, and here's why. Because what did we hear yesterday all day long? You put the ball back in Russell Wilson's hands, and you gave him a chance. Okay, so let's flip Let's flip that case, and let's look at it logically. And from a starting point, I will ask you this. What if I gave you a very high percentage chance to never put the ball back in Russell Wilson's hands. Because that's what I was doing against a terrible defense. Like the the atrocious, embarrassing nature of what happened was they didn't get it, which is on them and which is inexcusable. Mm-hmm. And which I, if I was Zim, I would have thrown my headset down and broken the damn thing and walked off the field at that point. But for everybody who said, how can you put the ball with a chance to win back in Russ's hands? The answer was, because the percentage said, and your, the eye test too. So this this is actually one where old school and new school should blend. The eye test had said, Seattle can't stop this. So here's the other part of the math. Because the other part of the math is, well, what if he gets the ball back? Okay. Since 2001, the Vikings have given their opponents the ball within the opposing 10-yard line. So, so buried deep inside the opposing team's 10-yard line. Yes. 280 times. They've allowed scores on just 52 of those drives. I believe that means touchdowns. So just 19%. Okay. So in the 28% of the time that Minnesota misses on fourth and one, so the one the one quarter of the time they miss on fourth and one, mm-hmm. the Seahawks, according to history, had a 19% chance of scoring. What I would amend that to be is that sample size includes all quarterbacks who get the ball inside the 10-yard line. Right. It includes Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, but it also includes a lot of Bears quarterbacks. And going back to 2001, that means it also includes, like, Charlie Batch as the Lions quarterback yeah. and all these guys, right? A lot of guys that can't I mean, they gave, the ball. they gave the ball to Dan Orlovsky in one of those same spots, and he ran out of the back of the end zone out of fear of Jared Allen. Can't so 
I don't think it's accurate to say that Russell Wilson only scores 19% of the time. He probably scores 30 to 50% of the time in that spot, yeah. maybe more. But if I ask, but if I tell you on Sunday night, do you want to put the ball back in Russ's hands? Your answer is going to be no way. I don't. My answer to you then is you got to go for it. So what they're saying is if you would have kicked the field goal, this is the other part of it. Yes. If you kick the field goal and you go up by eight points in that spot, yes. 23 yarder. So uh, after making the field goal, the Seahawks would have to drive the length of the field to score and then pick up a two point conversion and then win in overtime. Yes. Teams convert only about half of two point conversions. Both teams had about a 50% chance of winning in overtime. So what they're saying is all these factors put together, the Vikings had a 96% chance of winning the game as they stood over their decision on fourth down and inches. Absolutely. Yes. And they gave themselves the best chance. Taking the gamble of not putting the ball back in Russ's hands was the best gamble. Because because once you, if you kick the field goal and go up by eight, you're now allowing the statistical gods to come back into play more so. Because if you go to OT, okay, so let, let's say that that they kick the field goal, they kick off, there's a lot of time left, okay? Yeah. Seattle logically goes down and scores. And, and now the two-point conversion becomes imperative to make, and so let's say Seattle scores there. Okay, now to the statistic that you just threw out, Phil, it's a coin flip. Seattle wins. They score a touchdown, game's done. They kick a field goal, it's not done. Yeah. Okay. So given the... given where things are at with the Vikings, given where things are at with the quarterback that they were facing, they actually made the exact right call. The only way that, that you could split hairs here and actually have old school versus new school and have it work is if you had a conversation about the Seattle defense and it was really good. Because then you could be like, well, they got stopped, but this defense was great. Yeah. If now, it, now, it would still be the right call, but that could actually be a debate. The other thing I can't really get past with this is I'm going I'm to play this soundbite one more time here because I, I, want, I want you to hear Mike Zimmer, and then, I, and then I have a take on this. Okay. You can do all those things, but you don't have time. You know, you got to make decisions quick, and you don't have time to ask uh, analytics guys what, what to do. I'm all, In that situation, I'm always going for the win. I don't care. And uh, we've done that many times and we'll continue to do it. We had a half a yard to go. We've, we've been running the ball really, really well. I felt like their defense was tired. You know, we hit two other fourth downs earlier in the ball game. So I'll do it again next time it comes up. If you've got a chance to win the game, you got to go for it. I'm never going to fault a coach for being generally aggressive and for going forward on fourth and short. I feel like we've spent so much time over the years, like those of us who do buy into the analytics and who and who do want coaches to coach to win, not to avoid being criticized if they make the wrong decision. It feels like there's been so much unwiring of guys like Mike Zimmer. Like Mike Zimmer is an old school guy at heart who early in his Vikings career was the punt on fourth and one guy from the 50, right? Like that's... If I remember right, like we criticized Mike Zimmer a lot early in his career for like, dude, you're this like hard nosed, aggressive defensive coach. But oh, my God, it's fourth and one from the 45. (laughs) Like we can't we can't go for it in that spot. And so there's been all this unwiring of Mike Zimmer and other coaches. Mm -hmm. And in that game, the Vikings went for it twice on fourth and one and fourth and short in the first quarter. And they do it again with the game on the line. And in general, with very few exceptions. That's how I want football coaches to coach. 
don't coach out of fear of being criticized if the if the result isn't right. Right. Coach based on the right process. This was the right process, and they just failed in the moment of truth. Like Alex Madison failed to find the hole to his right. The offensive line maybe failed to create enough push, and then the defense failed to prevent a 96-yard or whatever touchdown drive, 94-yard touchdown drive yep. on, on the back half of it. So, like, just because all those things happen doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Going for it on fourth and short is almost always the right decision. The most important thing to me is this. The decision was 100% correct also, and you get it if your team is pretty good. Yeah, and, and, and so you need to... You need to be wired. Like, ultimately, it doesn't matter. So you're two and three, right? I don't know. If they beat the Seahawks, I think it okay. matters. Okay, but I you might get so you might get the cute seventh seed and you might get a playoff game and you're gonna be out. It doesn't matter. But that matters. You it doesn't to matter to me. It doesn't matter to me because your team's not good. But your team could be good. Their offense is good. And your thought process. The offense has some good players. Uh, your thought process, though, is correct correct for when it matters. And in a game that matters, I like the I, the more I thought about this, I like the potential gamble, if you want to call it that, and it might not e- even be that big a gamble. I like the thought process of what's going to keep the ball out of the hands of the quarterback who's going to dagger us almost certainly. That's the right. That's the right thing to think. That's actually a very smart thing. Now, they didn't, it cost them. I get that. But I'm telling you, if you kick the field goal there, Seattle's going down and scoring two. And they're going to tie that damn game up. They're going to do that. And then you're going to go to OT. And so this whole thing of, if you play this out, and let's say the Vikings are good, okay? I love this. Because this gave you the best chance to win, which is far more important to me in years I think that you're good. Okay, get those nerds, nerds, nerds! I didn't. This wasn't. A, this wasn't an originally scheduled statistic within the uh, football nerd segment of the week. But since you brought up the offense, I'm going to give you a little bonus statistic here. According to yards per play, which is just a measurement that uh, we like to go by here sometimes. The Vikings have the ninth best offense in the NFL at 6.1 yards per play. For context, the Packers lead with 6.8 yards per play. Mm-hmm. Washington football team, 4.2 yards per play. So there's like a three-yard gap between best and worst. Mm-hmm. Vikings are uh, pretty solidly in the top 10. Pro Football Focus has the Vikings offense as the seventh best unit overall, despite not being a great offensive line. They've, they've had great grades in, in you know running the ball, pass catchers, and Kirk Cousins has had mostly decent grades so far this season uh, with a couple of really bad blemishes. And so all of that is even, like, by any measurement, the Vikings are a top-10 offense knocking on the door of top five, which is even more reason to go for it in that spot. So. Can we strip out most of the Packer game and, and get those stats? Because I don't count. The second half of the Packer game does not count. Well, pro football focus absolutely uh is is a context based grade, right? So if you're racking up a bunch of garbage yards and points, they will. I mean, the Packer for that. the Packer game was garbage galore. Yep, and Pro Football Focus would definitely account for that. So I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get some credit. For I just don't. Numbers. I don't want. I don't want credit given for the Packer game because when that game was actually competitive, the Vikings were awful. Yeah, that's fair. So I give them nothing for that. All right, so here's another one. Here, you get okay? nothing. According to I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the research here because the the loyal listener and viewer of Purple Daily's Twitter name is Minnesota Researcher. 
So how would we not trust Minnesota right. researchers? That could be the ultimate this. fool, uh, fool's gold <laughs> right there. But he did a deep dive into pro football focus numbers, and he tweets this. Yeah. The Kirk Cousins-Mike Zimmer era has produced 19 opportunities for fourth-quarter comebacks or game-winning drives since the beginning of 2018. Uh-oh. 19 opportunities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only one success. Broncos? The 2019 Broncos game. Of course. We keep going back to that Bronco game like it was. But but he did the full research on this, okay? Right. So it's a span of nearly two and a half full seasons. They've had 19 opportunities for fourth quarter comebacks, one success. Now, Pro Football Reference lists it as two successes because they give the Packers tie in 2018 credit because the Vikings came from behind to tie the game and the game ended in a tie. Okay. So it depends on your definition. If you view yeah. just completing the tie as a fourth quarter comeback, then they have another one. I think you have to win the game for it to count. So I'm only going to count the Broncos one for the purposes of this discussion. So two and a half seasons to the beginning of 2018. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins at fault in some cases. Mike Zimmer's defense not hanging on to a lead in other cases. So there's some joint blame to go around here. Russell Wilson has 11 fourth quarter comebacks or game-winning drives over that stretch. Okay. Deshaun Watson has 11. Josh Allen has 10. Drew Brees and Ryan Tannehill have nine each. Mitch Trubisky has six. Andy Dalton has wow. five, including one as a backup coming in for the injured Dak Prescott on Sunday. That was a nice pass he threw at the end of that game to get the it was. field goal, yeah. Gardner Minshew has four. Case Keenum, after <laughs> leaving the Vikings, has four. Yep. Andrew Luck, who has been retired for two of those seasons, has three. Does he want to come back? Oh, my God. I love it. I pick up the phone. Does he want to come back? Sure. Well, the Colts should call him. So the question the is. Colts, I'm on the horn to him. He'll play again at some point, won't he? Yes. I Take a couple years some off. Some people I've talked to say no. He's he's really cerebral, and when he walked away, he was done. I, mean, hope, somebody gives you, I hope he plays again. You're telling me in like. I want him to play. Two years from now, and his body feels great again. Somebody says, we'll give you $40 million. Somebody meaning the Vikings. He's a quirky, say, we'll give you 40 he's million a quirky dude. I don't know. But anyway, yes, those are all great numbers. So the question here is why are the so the the evidence is in front of us, okay? Yep. And again, before we place blame here, let's just let's all agree here that factually the Vikings are not good since the beginning of 2018 mm-hmm. when trailing in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Whether it's so there's some games where Kirk Cousins like like the game on Sunday. Kirk Cousins amends for his mistakes in the third quarter by bringing the Vikings down the field, throws a couple nice passes to Adam Thielen, and then the Seahawks get the ball, and they come back. And so you could maybe pin that one a little bit more on the defense because they gave up a 94-yard drive, right? There's other games where, hey, Kirky boy, ball's in your hands <laughs> at Chicago, at Lambeau. Just just got to not turn the ball well, over here. Tennessee here. Tennessee. The like, Titans game is the poster child for a comeback. I think the Chiefs game against Matt Moore, they had the ball again with yeah. a couple minutes left. And it's like, dude, just make something happen. Yeah, it's not, yeah. And he doesn't. And we blame the offensive line because that's what we do. So my question is why, like, if there's a pie chart of blame of why the Vikings are unable to complete fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives in this Kirk Cousins Mike Zimmer era, how are you sort of divvying it up? Oh boy, it's hard not to give a ton of the pie to Kirk himself. Um, and and I, I can say this in watching him for the what now the last three years or so, uh, the man does lack that clutch gene. Like there's just some guys, you know, Far, far was to me the master. Favre got the ball, and it's like, there's too much time left. Don't score too quick, yeah. Brett. And then every and once then in a while, he'd short circuit and throw oh, a, yeah. like a franchise changing interception. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? You know. But he didn't, but it, he was going to give you something. Like Kirk is, 
Kirk is the Kirk's the guy who just fizzles continually. So I would say that if we're talking from an offensive standpoint, um, man, Kirk's got to take a ton of the blame. Defense uh, gets some of these. Defense gets some. Yeah, of these like for sure. like give give me because I flash back to games like the Titans game, which which I look at the clock and I'm like, there's a lot of time here, and yet I have no faith. Uh, defense definitely gets some, but I mean this this Vikings. Defense in the time period that you just gave me, for the most part of that time period, has been damn good too. Yeah, uh, I just think offensively they they lack they somehow, and I don't know why because it makes it makes no sense that it's one. Like if it was like four, I'd be like, well, it should be more than four, but it's still four. Yeah, but four, one, four wouldn't be enough. To, you're right. If it but, was but four, one, you'd be like, but but one speaks to an astounding ineptitude yeah. and an impotence to come through. When you got to think of, do you think you've stumbled into three? I agree. Like, I mean, like I'm struggling to explain this because it's that bad. Mitch Trubisky has six for God's yeah. sakes. He's a terrible quarterback. So let's say it was four. And I think we'd say, well, it should be more than four, but it's four. So here's, all right, here's my theory on this. Like on the, on the offensive side, like there's, there's going to be some of these 19 and I, I don't, I haven't looked at all like individual cases to, to like officially say that, well, seven of them are the defense's fault. I think that Rams game from 2018 on the Thursday night, that was a shootout, and mm-hmm. Kirk just kept like throwing bombs down the field, and that was one just top of my head that's probably more on the defense for just not being able to hold serve. But Fair. if you look at the top of this list, the guys that have the most fourth-quarter comebacks and the teams that have the most fourth-quarter comebacks over that stretch, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen are the three at the top. Make plays, yeah. It's guys who, when 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 there's two minutes left, and things are frantic, and maybe you don't have any timeouts left. There's a lot of improvisation. Things are unsettled, right? Off script. Off script, yes. And Kirk does not operate well in those unsettled conditions. Kirk operates very well in manicured settings, play action, when he can sort of plan it out in his head and he knows what's happening. When things start to get rattled or when there's a frantic nature about the game, he gets caught up in the frantic nature, and he's not the calming effect that says, "Hey, everything's frantic, guys. Guys, trust me." Third yeah, quarter Sunday, good, right? The third quarter Sunday is that. Yep. But Calm you look down. at you know some of these guys like Russell, and I wouldn't. Like Josh Allen can add to the frantic nature sometimes too. Like he can also like tornado himself into an interception. This year he's been magnificent. Yes. But these are guys that can when things get off script when. You have to improvise, keep a play alive. They're all mobile enough to do so. Then you go down the list. Drew Brees has nine. Well, he's just a surgeon for the ages, right? He He's played enough and seen enough where he can just sort of understand what's happening, slow things down in those moments. That's my theory, that the guys who are going to get you the fourth quarter comebacks are the ones that can take something that's moving really fast, slow it down, and instill confidence in everybody around them. And Kirk hasn't figured out how to do that on a regular basis. And I would argue Mike Zimmer hasn't figured out how to do that as a coach on a regular basis. The Vikings operate as a whole as a very uptight group, which doesn't lead to a relaxed, calm down. They The more that the pressure increases, the worse that the Vikings seem to get. And let me give you the so, – so this can't be uh, statistically – quantified, but let me give you a theory also about the problem here. And and it tracks back to the Titans game, and it's this one. So the one out of the 19 was a a game against a Denver team that was not that good. And the Vikings, the thing that will always stand out about that game is not Kirk. It's Diggs. Diggs made a big play in that game. 
Diggs is the one who became the the basically guy that rallied that team and said, this ends now, here's what we're going to do, yeah. and they took off, okay? Now, let me take you back to the Miracle game. <laughs> Keenum, who, by the way, did not feel pressure, which was great because he just was was – surfing case ultimate like nothing to lose yeah but right i mean that dude was like hey man let's go play football and and he hits digs again this tracks back to my point about the titans game which i understand is just a theory okay but where does kirk look the most when things are going bad where does who's kirk's friend there who does kirk look to thielen who's a really nice player he's a good player but he's not a big play player okay it's why I said in the Titans game, how does that last pass, if it's going to be a, I am literally going to drop back, th- throw it, and and say a Hail Mary as I'm throwing it, how does that not go to Jefferson? What do you, be- mean, what do you mean he's not a big play player? Because I would argue that one of the biggest plays in recent Vikings history, Thielen caught it you know, 40 yards down the field against the Saints. That's fine, but my point is the Diggs play in the Miracle game, the Diggs, Diggs's play against Denver as a whole, Jefferson gives you a chance if you are going to throw if you're if, if you're going to throw very interesting point the Thielen pass was a great pass by Cousins and it was a planned play that never went off script like that was uh, this is the play they ran it it was, it, a, it was a call play it was called play okay the Hail Mary pass against the Titans was not it was uh, I am going to throw the ball up and hope that's not Thielen that's Jefferson and that was certainly Diggs. Those are the guys that give you a chance if you are just going to be desperate. If it's a desperation, everything has broken down. The play is broken down. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm throwing the ball. Jefferson's the answer to Diggs now. But Kirk looks to the standbys. Point number two off that. Again, this is all just theory, okay? 10 seconds left, 15 seconds left, Sunday night. Yeah. Long shot. First pass goes to whom? Kyle Rudolph. Exactly. I don't know why he's on the field in that spot. No, but no, but like, the you point need like is 30 yards on that play. Right. But but the point but the point is it went to Kyle. Why? That does you that's a great play in the first quarter. Yeah. So what so he shouldn't have been on the field now. Right, spot. right. But I'm I'm talking about all of the factors that go into the actual relaxation of you you're gonna have to do something huge here off script. Who gives you the best chance? And the reality is it's Diggs. It's Jefferson. It's guys like that. Thielen's great for his role, and and if it if it's scripted, it, it can work. But at that point, but what we're talking about ultimately, a lot of times, is things that are going to go wildly off script. So who can make th- those plays? My first choices, just me personally, are not Thielen and Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, and I and I and I don't know. I I disagree a little bit on the Thielen front. I don't, I wouldn't put Thielen and Kyle Rudolph anywhere near the same bin in terms of like. Oh, I don't either. I'm just play, saying but... those aren't those aren't the guys in those predicaments it's what made dig so special yeah and uh and in general like the mobility of the guys at the top of this list obviously trumps kirk cousins too so here's another one for you guys. i got a few more here in the nerd Get football nerds! Nerd! Nerd! pro football focus has 307 <laughs> players who have qualified as blockers this season, so like oh, mostly offensive line. I'm not. Part, I'm not going to participate. Yeah, this is this is so mean. 307 players have have thrown enough blocks on run plays or pass plays <laughs> to be qualified as blockers. Drew Samia ranks last hmm. of I, the 307. Yeah, 245 players have qualified as pass blockers this season. Oh, okay. Drew Samia ranks last. He is the worst offensive lineman in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. <laughs> yeah. He's been set up to fail. He well, shouldn't I mean, be playing anymore. 
Like, I, I don't know what... Has he been set up to fail, or is he just not good at well, football? Like, but they keep playing him. He's 310 pounds and six foot okay. five, like, block somebody. But at some point in time, you've got to say, then you're just, you just, we've seen enough. You can't play. Yeah. Like, we've got, they've got, he's just, I at this point in time, what are you proving? I do have some good news on the offensive line front. Okay. Which is, this is, this is probably the best news we've heard all season. Riley Rich going Pro Bowl? Wow, you're reading my mind right now. Riley Reef has only allowed four pressures on 157 dropbacks so far this season. The fifth best rate in the NFL. It's a bargain. Trade deadline's on November 3rd. Oh, wow. Would you, would you look to... Whoa. If, let's say, okay, how many games are you going to play before November 3rd? So you're going to play this week on... Two. You're going to play two. You'll have a bye, so you'll have two. Yeah, Green Bay's one done. game against Green Bay. Yeah. If you lose both, you have to start trading, right? Like, if you fall to one and six, you have to start trading. What if you split these games? What if you beat Atlanta, lose to Green Bay? Do you trade? Do you look to trade Riley Reef? If the return, reckless speculation. If the return is correct, I definitely do. But but the problem now is is it feels like the deadline has become a little bit more active in the last couple of years because it used to be completely dead. Uh, my question now, though, is with all of the COVID protocols, our team's going to want to make trades because it's going to take like eight days to get a guy in now. Because like, you have to quarantine. Like you they got to quarantine, and then they got to travel, and so there's more quarantine. And I, I just look if I if if I can get a halfway decent um, draft pick for Reef, I what, do. What it. do you think you could get if there's a if if, team, would, if, if teams are looking and like they have an injury on the offensive line? I mean, the, the Cowboys come to mind. The Cowboys don't they need a left tackle now? Probably a mid round pick is my guess. Yeah, what right, did you guys get third? Like if you get if third's you could get a, third's high, if, yeah, if you I could take, get a second, that'd be insane. Oh, I, oh, I take a third, Declan. I take a third because I was thinking fourth or fifth. Because yeah. think about this: if you could get a third round pick for Riley Reef at the trade deadline, a guy that you're probably not going to re-sign anyways, because Ezra Cleveland was drafted to be your starting left tackle after 2020, can you get enough draft capital because you don't have a second round pick? To have ammunition to move up in the first round if you see something, I don't know, a quarterback that you want to draft. <laughs> I told you yesterday, I'm giving everything I have to to get the top pick. I got one more. Get guys. those nerds! 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 This is a bad one. This is the this is the defense. All right. And the defense in the first half yesterday was great. It's the best half of defense they've played all season. They held a Hall of Fame quarterback scoreless. And part of that was just the offense never gave up the ball. The Seahawks didn't run any plays. But the defense did a good job. However, on the season, opposing quarterbacks have a 104.3 passer rating against the Vikings defense. 67% completions, 10 touchdowns, and 3 interceptions. And uh, that 104.3 passer rating is basically Aaron Rodgers' career passer rating. So the Vikings defense has turned opposing quarterbacks into Aaron Rodgers' career so far this season. Now, funny, like... They've only played five games. One of them was against Aaron Rodgers. Another one was against a guy who might even be better than Aaron Rodgers in Russell Wilson. So overall, those cornerbacks are kind of holding their own in some spots, and the first half was good, but that's that's the product through the first like third of the season. Does that surprise you, though? Not really. Not really. This is exactly what we saw coming. Like, this is, exa- this is if, if you had asked me, what's the deficiency going to be with completely new corners, I would have said this, basically. Like, th- this is... The only guy that I'm beginning to think really can't play is Holton Hill. But between Hughes and Gladney and Dantzler, I think they can play. That's why that stat does not bug me. The stats that bug me are the ones where I feel like the Vikings are pounding their head against the wall and continuing mistakes. Yeah. They tro- they they made their bed here. This is, this is them. And it's going to last basically 
all year. But if you feel that those guys are progressing in the secondary, then it's not fine, but it's workable. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's not surprising. And, and honestly, the offense, if you would have told me, listen, the defense is going to get shredded a little bit here. They they just, especially early in the season with the injuries and with the cornerbacks, going to need the offense to take a step forward. The offense has two, and the Vikings have just lost a couple close games to undefeated teams. Like you could make a very strong case that the Vikings, instead of one and four, could be three and two right now if they just do something different at the end of the Titans. They're just not good enough to be. Absolutely. I actually have one more for you here, since we're I, just because we started the episode with uh, a Dalvin Cook out for the next couple weeks at least. Nugget, Alex Madison, in his one plus year career, now has 144 rushes for 681 yards. So he's he has the equivalent of about a half season of rushes. Okay. So let's take the 144 carries, double it to 288, and call that like that would be a starting running back's load over the course of a full season. Okay. Then what we've seen of Alex Madison so far over the course of a full season extrapolated is 1,360 yards, so 4.7 yards per carry. Yeah. Also 36 catches for just under 300 yards. Yeah. And a handful of touchdowns. Yeah. Dalvin Cook's injured again. This is the thing that has the, this was like the main reason why the Vikings maybe weren't going to sign him to an extension. Mm-hmm. He can't stay healthy. He's not durable. And sure enough, boom, groin. Out. He's going to be probably out for at least one game, I and bet. I would say more like a month I worth of it, games. I bet it's a month. So I don't. I don't even really have a question off that. I'm just wondering, like Alex Madison's been good. He's not Dalvin Cook good, and he should have gotten the first down on that fourth and inches. I think Dalvin Cook would have. Right. But he's also not making twelve and a half million dollars to the salary cap starting next year. And if Dalvin Cook, so we all agree that he is a marvelous player when healthy, right? If he plays cornerback, quarterback, left tackle, maybe defensive end, I think you 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 pay him. You might not like it, but he's that good, and he plays the right spot. Alexander Madison at the position that Dalvin Cook also plays. And he's not, and, and Madison's not as good. Is absolutely, absolutely starting material, and he's just fine. And if you look at his contract, that's the exact type of place where where you say to yourself, "We can't afford Cook." And we never on this show, and I don't think anybody in this town ever said Cook does not deserve the payday based on he's really not that good. We all said. He does not deserve the payday based on his position. Unfortunate for him, but true. Yeah. And if the question back was why, which it was, we said, because he doesn't stay healthy. Let me give you some nerd statistics on Dalvin Cook. And they're oh, wow. very, very simple. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! But I'm going to put into context for you how much he does not play. Okay? So this is where you could have sat down with his agent and him and said, here's why we cannot pay you. Well, first of all, I'll start with a different guy. A guy who in his first four years at the running back position was one of the best probably ever in the league and at that time was appreciated very much. Adrian Peterson, first four years, 64 possible games in the regular season, 61 played. He missed three games. And wasn't that the stretch where he tore his knee in Green Bay or something? No, he didn't tear it, but he he sprained it. But yes, yes, that was his, his first year. He sprained his knee and missed, I think, two games because of that. But So three games missed in four years. Cook is in 
Cook is now five games in two year four, a possible 53 games. Okay. He's played 34. Wow. He will be, he will be at 34 in 54 games, possible games against the Falcons. It's a very simple case of why you couldn't pay him what they did. And let me give you one more thing. Their use of him this season was what they had to do. Like, I don't think there's a case to be made. Well, they shouldn't have used him as much. They're abusing him. If you pay him like that, you have to use him like that. Yeah. I believe he was on at halftime, Phil. I believe he was on um, a trajectory to get approximately 35 to 45 touches in that game on Sunday, which, which as we all have talked about, is ridiculous, but I actually think you have to do. There's no way to win this. Yeah, I feel like giving a running back big money is usually like it should be a reward for having the rest of your roster in line. Like everything is everything else is ready and we still have money to spend and so this is great. Like let's spend money on the stud running back. Like it's I almost feel like the Vikings are spending money on Dalvin Cook as sort of a fix or a driving force behind the offense and that's just not fair to a guy who hasn't been durable. Can I give you this? I think they're doing it as an attempt to make up for what Cousins can't do. Agreed. But it's not that's not doable again. That's not the smart play. Yeah, it's and that and that kind of goes back to we had this cheap plug. We had this discussion about Kirk Cousins and some of the criticism of our criticism of Kirk Cousins on the Mackey and Judd show from earlier today. And it's it's that yin and yang of, well, you guys criticize Kirk Cousins too much. You don't criticize the offensive line over here or the defense over there or Alex Madison over here. And it's like like to sum that up, it's. Why don't you criticize the imperfections around Kirk Cousins? To which I say, show me a team that has a perfect roster around its quarterback. As hard as it is to find a mobile franchise quarterback, it might be even harder to find a perfect rest of the roster through your drafting and your free agency and your building. Absolutely. And and I think you're right. I think, you know, if if put it this way, if the Vikings had Russell Wilson as their starting quarterback and major cap issues, are they paying $12.5 million to a running back? No. They're not. No. Like, I'm, They're sorry, just not. Sorry, Chris Carson. You're not going to make $13 million unless which, it's with somebody which, else. By the way, is incredibly fair. Like, yep. that's, that's an incredible. It would have been Dalvin Cook. They should have gone to him and said, we'd love to pay you. You're really good at what you do. Unfortunately, what you do does not qualify for the type of payday that you want. It just doesn't. Yeah. Not when you have the needs that this team has at other spots. Like football, football is not a hard sport, I don't think, to pick the spots that get paid. I really don't. That's worth a deeper dive, I think, sometime this week. Do you? No, it's... Like, I don't think that we could be... I don't think that you would say, weak side linebacker, Judd. And I'd be like, oh man, I don't agree with that. Well, but it's like a little complicated in that like quarterback, you have to pay quarterbacks, but you also have to be disciplined in the quarterbacks that you pay. Right, but if you're paying the quarterback, then you can't pay a running back. It's uh, to, to me that this is not, or you shouldn't pay a running back. Yeah, it's hard, unless the rest of your roster is perfectly and, manicured with guys on rookie contracts. And last thing, here's what I really don't get. So you were smart enough. This is where the Vikings drive me crazy, and Spielman in particular. So a year ago, you were smart enough to identify Madison as a second round pick, which is a really high draft pick for that spot. Cook is the same round. So you identified that, which is sort of like a bravo. Like, I I didn't like it at the time, but that's a good pick. That's Dalvin Cook's replacement. 
Like and, you did that right. How how did we how do we get to point B? And you're like, oh oh okay, I see what you did there. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like and again like this like Dalvin Cook is amazing and he's and he's, he seems like a good human and he's and as a, as a human and an athlete, I'm happy that he has now the ability to pay like for his next generation of family and whatever. Like all that's great. But the point you just brought up. Teams find these guys in the second, third rounds. They find Alvin Kamara. Like, you find these running backs. Le'Veon Bell was like a six-round pick or whatever it was, fifth-round pick or something. Mm-hmm. And then when it – so you've you've done that. Like, you've, you, you, you've proven that you can, you can just find these guys in the second, third, fourth rounds, and they're on rookie contracts for four or five years. But then when it comes down to that guy's a stud, that's a stud. And it's time to pay him. It's like you lose all confidence in your ability to do what you just did three years ago and just find that guy again. They're all they're always out but there. But Madison, every you had, year they're out. But there. you had him, like you had taken him. He's right there. You've delivered the goods. And then you're like, but we got paid Dalvin too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at um, the, the, the 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 Chiefs. Like, I mean, I guess I guess this might not be a great point. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a first round pick because he was 32nd overall. So I was going to say like, he was a second round pick. You can just find these guys and then you don't have to pay him $12 million. So now we wait until Dalvin cook comes off the injury. I think you're right. Don't list. I'm going at least a month. Yeah. He's like a groin. You don't rush back from a groin. Yep. So, all right, that's a wrap on this episode of purple daily. We appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll see you tomorrow. Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com and youtube.com slash purple daily podcast.